This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. And welcome to the best show on your radio. It's the electric circus known as Freddie and Harry. He is Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman, presented by Progressive Insurance on the ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80 and always tell us on the smart speaker to play that ESPN radio. We got concerns about the Chiefs and the Eagles, but are they enough of concerns to keep those two teams from making it a Super Bowl rematch in 58 like they had in Super Bowl 57. We're going to get that in a couple of seconds, but playing you in a way what we saw last night at Triple H say ESPN 888-729-3776 on the Dr. Pepper call in line. Your thoughts going forward this game. The Chiefs lose to the Eagles in Philadelphia by four points. Had a 17-7 to lead. Once again, the Chiefs not scoring in the second half. Philadelphia making those kind of plays and making those kind of adjustments. What say you about Mahomes' greatness? Is that enough to overcome his wide receivers? Is this a preview to Super Bowl 58? 888-729-3776. Rocco in Reno, my friend, what you got? What's up, guys? Love the show. Thank you, bro. Uh, I just want to say last night was a huge testament to the off-the-field stuff. Eagles, GM, Howie Roseman, um, that guy's a genius. Devontae Smith, first round, A.J. Brown, trading a first-round pick. Without those two guys, I mean, like you said, they shut down A.J. Brown. Devontae Smith had a huge game. Chiefs GM, I mean, who are these guys drafting? Sky Moore, he has not been a productive receiver. George Karloftis, their first-round pick. They could have gone out and got a receiver to help Mahomes. Uh, For the Eagles, guys like Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, these guys are only going to get better. I really am concerned. I don't think the Chiefs are going to be around much longer. Kelsey's 34 years old, and the Chiefs, man, like, I don't know if they're going to be around. Like I said, Eagles uh, are just going to keep going up with these young guys they got. I'll tell you this. Jalen Carter, there was a multiple plays last night mm-hmm. where, boy, that offensive guard was begging for his life for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, begging for his life. And he didn't get home, but he disrupted some things. And the young man is going to be very, very special. He's a rookie being dominant like he is. Uh, but I would say this, George Karloffis, I, I like George Karloffis. He hasn't been bad. I, I think that was actually a solid pick for them. Now, I would say when it comes to the Chiefs and their skill position players offensively, I think that's an area – that you know the family i mean the 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 front office hasn't hit on as far as their defensive young guys oh, they boy. hit on a lot of those guys yeah. yeah to your point they'll find a way to remedy that because Patrick Mahomes and I'm a Patrick Mahomes fan there's no doubt about that he's had his moments this year where okay you, you got to be better but sometimes you put that kind of pressure on yourself not making excuses for it but when you know that man if i put this ball perfectly there are no guarantees those guys are going to catch the football when you had to play that perfect more than ever before this year, that's going to be something everybody understands and everybody knows. And how can they overcome that? Not just Patrick Mahomes, but how can they overcome that together? Patrick Mahomes those wide receivers. But you can trust and believe they will not let another year go by without having a wide receiver or two on the outside where they're going to go through these same things. They do not want Patrick Mahomes to be this generation's Aaron Rodgers. You're so great. We can go anybody with you. You're so terrific. We have anybody play with you. In modern football, no. <laughs> you, you, you need extra dudes that are going to make that work. This way your quarterback's not trying to throw the guys and trying to raise their greatness when it may not be there in Kansas City. Yeah, and George Kalafas, he's second on his team in, in, in sacks. This is his second year. 
playing football in the National Football League, and he has seven sacks right now. Yeah. I'll take that, and you got seven games left in the regular season. Absolutely, yeah. He's their designated pass rusher, yep. and he, he can get Leo Sanel, who's been really good for them as well. Another young of, player. Absolutely. Another young player. Yeah, you're right. They've been on young players on defense, and even yep. the offensive line, Creed Humphrey's the second-best center leave behind Jason Kelsey of the Philadelphia Eagles. They just have not hit on those wide receivers ever since you-know-who decided to take the money, and I don't blame them to go to the Miami Dolphins. I miss this guy. Airline Food of Virginia. When you and I did the morning show on ESPN Radio in the summer, he called us a couple of times. So, Airline <laughs> Food in Virginia, my friend, what you got? What's going on, man? What's going on? So, so look, I wish I had four hands so I can give both of these teams four thumbs down. I see better <laughs> teams, and you, and you know, and you know who's not dropping passes? Tyreek Hill. You put the cheetah out there, he's going to the house. So welcome to Miami, and we loving it. But I, listen, I just wanted to call y'all and say, man, I appreciate everything that y'all are doing, man. Y'all are doing your thing. It's, it's entertaining radio, man. I love it. Thank you, my brother. We appreciate, appreciate you. That. Yeah, that, yeah, that means a lot. It, it's, it always means a lot. Whether you can agree with us or disagree with us, we're good with it. Yep. We know how precious your time is, that you take time out of your day to give us a chance to be heard. So we always, always appreciate that. We are never, ever going to take that for granted. I wonder about that team that he mentioned because he's a Dolphins fan. Mm-hmm. I wonder about that team that's getting a little bit better defensively in Miami. Jalen Ramsey now in the Ooh. secondary, so now they got two shutdown Ooh. corners. Yes, sir. But they got to be able to beat the big dogs. Three times they've had that opportunity when it comes to Miami. They have not been able to do that. And that's why I still think we're going to get a Super Bowl rematch involving Philadelphia and Kansas City. If you have to beat those teams, you have to kill those teams, you better hope they do it to themselves. The Eagles are not going to do it. And maybe, just maybe, maybe, Harry, that Kansas City can overcome what their wide receivers are done. But the wide receivers, it's got to start with them. It just can't be on Patrick Mahomes. Well, I will say this about the Miami Dolphins. They have an opportunity to contend for the number one seed in the AFC. I'm looking at their schedule right now. In the next few games, they have the New York Jets, who mm. can't score. They mm. the inability to score. They mm. have the Washington Commanders. They have the Tennessee Titans. They have the Jets again. That's their next four. Right. Now, their last three is a gauntlet because they have the Dallas Cowboys, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Buffalo Bills. But if you're able to win your next four if you're in Miami, mm-hmm. you're sitting right where you want to be at. Because if you can get home field advantage in the AFC and have all those teams that are practicing in cold weather right. have to come down there to that humidity and heat, Oh, I think that's an advantage for you. To counter that, you look at Kansas City's schedule. They play the Raiders. They always beat them. They play the Easy. Packers in Green Bay. They're going to beat them. Buffalo Bills, that's the one circle, but that's in Kansas City. We'll see what kind of Buffalo Bills team, if they look anywhere near what we saw against the Jets on Sunday, that'll be a typical Bills-Chiefs game, and the Bills have shown they can win in Kansas City. At the Patriots, they'll quit by then. Versus the Raiders in Kansas City, they'll beat them. The Cincinnati Bengals without Joe Burrow, good luck with that, that game in Kansas City. And at the Chargers, whose coach may be gone by then, and they can't beat Kansas City anyway. So to use schedules, even though what happened last night, to bring some memory to your memory, Kansas City's still 7-3. and three. Their combined loss outside of Denver were by four to Philadelphia and one of the Detroit Lions. If anybody can trust and that schedule is favorable for a team that's going to find a way to get it right, that schedule will be shaping up that way for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think it's also like conference record plays a huge part in who gets seedings and, and, and tiebreakers. So right. you got to win games in your conference. You can't be losing in your conference. And, and, and word of advice to Miami and Baltimore, get that number one seed. If you don't, you got to go play in Kansas City in January. I'll take my chances with that than anything else. I know what that's like. Yes, you do. It's frisky. Mm-hmm. It's brisky. Negative 16 with that wind chill. 
brutal. When you, when you can see your breath and it gets two inches in front of your face and stops right there, that's way too damn cold to be playing a football <laughs> game. John in Florida, my friend, what you got for Freddie and Harry, 888-729-3776 on ESPN Radio. What's going on, my brothers? What's going on, my brothers? <laughs> What's up, John? beautiful day in Miami, Florida. Look at the city to be exact. Yes, sir. <laughs> but no, nah, nah, I'm going to stop clowning around, man. Um, Listen, though. I got to give Jalen first his, his flowers. You feel me? He did his thing. You know what I'm saying? He got. He finally got a win on Mahomes. No, it ain't the Super Bowl or nothing, but it got to be some type of psychological. You know what I'm saying? Like, I could beat him once. I could do it again. Now, then, Valdez Scantling. Listen, man. Uh-oh. I'm from Little Higgins, man. I played for Liberty City Warriors, okay? I'm telling you right now, Mahomes is being a little too nice. I know you better <laughs> get on that boy in practice. But you know what I'm saying? It's, it's good to be a leader and take up for your, for, your, for your teammate, you know what I'm saying, and, you know, showing leadership qualities. But we know reaction over overreaction. Now, his reaction to when – Scantlin dropped that ball is how he really felt. Yes. But what he said at the press conference is what he's really supposed to do. And we all understand that. You get what I'm saying? But come on, God, there's Scantlin, man. You can't even catch a cold, man. And that's your only target. At least be a savior. Save your team, dog. (laughs) I think one thing we can say about both of these quarterbacks is that they're the ultimate leaders. No doubt. When you look at what has transpired this season with the wide receivers – and their inability to make catches in big moments and Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. taking the high road, taking the blame. Yeah. When you look at Jalen Hurts and things weren't going well last night, A.J. Brown is upset mm-hmm. and, 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 and Hurts just understands his teammates and like, you know what, you got it, dog. You know what I mean? Let's move on. Right. But then also we know he's not 100% healthy and he's finding ways and get got sacked five times in the first half but didn't murmur and complain, just kept going at it. These are two of the most, the most ultimate leaders that we have, I think, in any sport today, Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. And I wonder how much of last night is really helping him in the MVP conversation because right now Jalen Hurts is the odds-on favorite to be the MVP of this carries on through the rest of the season. I've never been a big believer like the MVP race ended the day. Well, it's not. Well, if the season ended the day, it doesn't. But Jalen Hurts last night, and I thought the best move he made, out of the plays he made with his feet, even being compromised, or that throw down the right sideline of Devontae Smith, the best move he made was when A.J. Brown was losing his you-know-what in the sidelines. Jalen Brown just let him talk, let him talk, let him talk. Then he tapped him uh, himself in the show and said, my bad. And then A.J. Brown realized, I look like a jackass out here being this way, don't I? It's a, he let it cool down and let A.J. Brown cool down, and they were able to move on with their business. They may not have an identity, according to Jalen Hurts, but they are definitely hard to beat. Well, with this not, um, maybe you guys, but um, I think just for us, you know, just, just never getting too high, never getting too low. Right? You, you win a, a whole bunch of different ways in this league. Um, and I think everyone that's watching the game or whoever has to accept that. Um, and in, in, in the end, winning is the only thing that matters. And so, you know, we continue to find ways to do that. Um, it's a great thing for us. We continue to have a growth mindset and strive to play to our standard. That'll only serve us great things in the future as well. You know what it is about Jalen Hurts? He lets all that outside noise filter. Then he says it's all about us. It's yep. not about anything else or anybody else is what are we going to do as a football team? 
early on he's not playing great, and people are saying, what's wrong with Jalen Hurts? He says, as long as we're winning, we're going to keep figuring it out. We're still a work in progress. We're not where we want to be. We're not where we need to be. And then you look up Harry, they have the best record in the NFL. They only have one loss. And even when he threw that pick against the Jets, in which they lost that ball game, he said, nope, I know I'm going to be better. It happens. Let's move on from it. Those are the kind of things, in my opinion. They may not be the most, they're not the most talented team in the NFC. I think in terms of talent, man for man, the 49ers and the Cowboys are more talented. But the 49ers and the Cowboys and the Lions, in my opinion, are not better than that team in Philadelphia. Freddie, I'm up here just thinking about some of the sound bites that Jalen Hurts has, has given us this year so far. And uh, I remember one, and I remember texting y'all about it, Jalen Hurts saying, hey, man, the main thing is the main thing. We're going to keep the main thing the main thing. Absolutely. And then there was another one that he said, and he was like, when did winning not become the most important thing? Mm-hmm. Right, and then you just heard him right there in that piece, man. Um, you can't let the highs get too high. You can't let the lows get too low. Uh, uh, normally, that's cliche coach speak. Sure. But for Jalen Hurts and company and, and those guys in Philadelphia, I've seen them actually live that for two years straight now. Because things weren't right in the first half now. They were down 10 points. Mm-hmm. That, that offensive line had given up five sacks. So the lows were low. They were very, <laughs> very low. And I don't think they can – I didn't think they get they got their first third down completion until the midway in the third quarter. So things weren't right, but they figured a way, they figured it out, and they figured a way to win. And that's what great teams do. It's not going to always be pretty. And multiple times this season, it hasn't been pretty for Philadelphia. No doubt. But when you have the Jimmys and Joes and things don't go right, but they still know how to get it done, hey, that's a sign of an elite team, in my opinion. Harry Douglas, Freddie Coleman together on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series X and Channel 80. And don't forget to tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Hit us up on Twitter anytime you want at Coleman ESPN and at hdougs 83 like Matthew Allen, who says he does not agree with my assessment of a great quarterback needing great weapons. He says the whole point of paying a great quarterback is that he'll make the weapons around him better. Mediocre quarterbacks need great weapons. Matthew, here's where I disagree with you. If you have a receiver that stinks, you can be the greatest quarterback in the world. If that guy can't catch, then you're not going to make him a better player just because you're a great quarterback. Conversely, the New York Jets, in my opinion, have a terrific wide receiver when it comes to Gary Wilson. Stinky quarterback. There's only so much you can do. If you can't play, there's only so much that greatness around you will be able to do. If you can't play, you're just going to be a guy in a great team that can't play. We got to stop this, man, Freddie, because... Michael Jordan had to pass that basketball to Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr had to make that shot. Michael Jordan had to pass that ball to John Paxson. John Paxson had to make that shot. Great players need their teammates as well, man. Like, especially when we're talking about teams. Now, if we're talking about tennis, oh, hell no. It's just an individual sport. We're talking about golf. That's an individual sport. But when you're talking about football, where you need all other 10 guys outside of yourself to do their job, it's a team game, and yeah. I don't care how great you is, you're, you're, you need your teammates. It's one of the worst narratives I've ever heard. Well, if you're such a great quarterback, you got to be able to make guys better. Well, if those guys can't get any better, then you got to tell the organization, you need to give me better people out around here. You need to give me better people out here. It's one of the worst narratives I've ever heard. Well, if you're such a great quarterback, why can't you make him better? Sure, the guy can't play. Let's all of a sudden just put him in the hot tub time machine, go back in time, infuse with Jerry Rice, and he's going to be a better <laughs> wide receiver. Those, kind of, those narratives drive me insane all the time. I just let people talk, and then I just give them examples. For example, when Michael Jordan had nobody around him, got to the playoffs, didn't win anything. They said, we got to put guys around Michael Jordan. They draft Scottie Pippen. 
They bring in a Steve Kerr. They have a B.J. Armstrong. They get a Horace Grant. It's amazing what happens. We got better players around a better guy like that. But everybody got better and started winning a championship. Then you bring in Phil Jackson, put it together, and voila, six championships in eight years in Chicago. And they brought in the worm. What up, big perm? I mean, big worm. <laughs> they brought in the worm. Did you, see the, did you see the other day when he was on the basketball court in Chicago? They had him as a special guest. He looks good. No, I didn't see him. Dennis Rock walked out there looking lucid. Had the he, he used to be on. one of my favorite players because I enjoyed the antics and I enjoyed how he got under people's skin. Of course you would. You better As anybody it. who probably did that before he even played one second of a sport, if anybody would ever love Dennis Rodman, it would be Harry Douglas that would love Dennis Rodman. Chris in New Jersey, my friend, at 888-729-3776. What do you got to say on Freddie and Harry about last night's win by the Eagles over the Chiefs and the Chiefs' concerns and the Super Bowl preview? Chris, what you got, my friend? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, so I'm a big Eagles fan before I start, so I'd want nothing more than to see them go to the Super Bowl. But I'm a little concerned because all I hear week after week, show after show, host after host, is, yeah, it didn't look good, but just wait till they get it right. Yeah, they keep finding a way to win, but wait till they get it right. They got a first-year offensive coordinator. It's going to take time. They lost a key piece in Dallas Goddard, not only for the passing game, but for the running game. Mm-hmm. And you've got a quarterback whose mobility is key to his success, who, let's face it, is going to be dealing with this knee injury on some level for the rest of the season. Why is nobody asking the big, the, the obvious question? What if there's no Oz behind the curtain? What if this is what it is? What if they don't get any better? Well, I'll be honest with you. I don't believe that we have seen the best of the Philadelphia Eagles. Number one, you just mentioned Dallas Goddard didn't play last night. They definitely missed him last night. Like Dallas got a tight ends, their quarterback's best friend. He's their security blanket, right? When when nothing else works, you're able to go to your tight end. I think also when you look at Philadelphia, their third down defense defensively has to get better. Last night in the first half, Kansas City were six for eight on third downs. In the game, they were eight for 17. You got to get off the football field. Right now in, in the National Football League as a whole, they're 27th in third down defense. How, how, how are you going to continue to win games if you're not getting off the football field? So I think that's an area they got to get better. And I, I, I will say, too, like Jalen Hurts is, is compromised a little bit by the injury. We see that week in and week out. But at the same time, this football team has been able to find ways to win. And, and I'm not going to mm-hmm. take that lightly. Me neither, because if you want a 34-31 game, they want a game like that versus Washington Commanders. You want a 21-17 game, they want a game like that against the Kansas City Chiefs. They bring you down to their level. And to kind of extrapolate what you said about what they happened in the first half, they've also been really good at making adjustments. Yep. No Dallas Goddard, they go to four wide receivers. You know what place Dallas Goddard in their passing game? They hit DeAndre Swift with a couple of big screens that got mm-hmm. big plays for them in the second half. Nick Sirianni has shown with the guys that he has underneath him in his coaching staff, when you need to make adjustments, he has a lot of trust in his coordinators and his coaches to do that. Can't see in the first half. They were having their way on third down. Didn't happen in the second half. Kansas City's defense in the first half, having their way with their quarterback, five sacks. Not one sack in the second half. So if you want to say, will this catch up to the Eagles? If you, that, that's the thing. Catching up to the Eagles. Not the Eagles catching up the other way around. Remember, this team's 9-1. and one. We're not talking about the Eagles being 5-4, and 6-3, trying to figure it out. They're 9-1. And, and yeah, the schedule, it's a little crucial. Bills at home this weekend, 
49ers the week after that. They at built Dallas. For it, hey, thank you. I'm they glad you said it. that because they are not afraid of people on their schedule. Fans get afraid because fans always worry. I get it. But teams like the Eagles, who know they've done this before and feel confident they can do it again, you worry more for the Eagles than the Eagles worry about themselves. You know why? Because they've done it already. They understand exactly what it's going to take, and they trust they can make those kind of adjustments and not lose games that they had a chance of losing like last night. Hey, can I throw this out there really quick? How about it? I mean, really? Who's the most athletic Kelsey? Because what I seen from Jason last night, oh my goodness. I always thought it was The Jason. way he was pulling. Nothing against Travis. But Ooh. when you... He's 36 years of age, and I guarantee you that people in that organization are saying, please don't retire. Why? Come back for another one. Right, yeah. I, I know you want to leave a year too early instead of staying a year too late. And if you're Jason Kelsey, you got to find that motivation, that passion. But come on, really? That's not a question to me. It's Jason Kelsey. He's the most athletic Travis Kelsey. That boy bad. You see his daughter by the show to clip his daughter? Yeah. Acting like her dad, like snapping the football and everything. <laughs> Troy Aikman and Joe Buck thought that was the cutest thing on Monday Night Football. So did I, as a matter of fact. Keep weighing in on Twitter about Super Bowl preview. Did we see it last night from Kansas City in Philadelphia? And the concerns you have at each team that could keep them from said Super Bowl. Let us know on Twitter at Coleman ESPN and at Douglas 83 Don't forget the phone number as well at 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Hey, don't look now. But on Saturday... All that stuff involved Michigan football may catch up to them when they play Ohio State. We'll get to that after Harry has this word from Farm Fresh Christmas Trees. Get real and keep it real this holiday season by buying real Christmas trees. Oh, how I love the smell. Did you know that buying real Christmas trees helps save the American Christmas tree farming industry? For every 10 Christmas trees planted, an acre of land is saved. And so are American farmers' jobs. Plus, buying real Christmas trees help. Keep real holiday memories alive while helping our environment. Buy real Christmas trees this holiday season at Lowe's or wherever Christmas trees are sold. Get more information online at GetRealKeepItReal.com. That's GetRealKeepItReal.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. Go ahead, Harry Commandogas. I'm not going to get in the way of your flow. <laughs> Do your thing here on Freddie and Harry. I'm a common fan. No, who's not a common fan? Well, maybe his exes, but that's another story. It's Freddie and Harry and ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sirius XM, 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 Channel 80. And I always tell you, smart speaker, play ESPN Radio. Yeah, I said I don't care. It's time to bring in somebody who knows a little bit something about college football. I don't think he knows anything about college dating life. He is Greg McElroy, ESPN College Football Analyst. He is here thanks to Ryo-B. That is awesome. Let me tell you why. This side to make cleanup easier. The Ryo-B 18-volt. One plus cordless leaf blower from the Home Depot. Greg, yesterday you tweeted at Greg McElroy, your own college football playoff rankings. You have Washington at number four over Florida State. Why did you move Florida State out? And do you believe the committee will see things the same way as you do? Well, a lot of people think it's because Jordan Travis's injury. That's really not why. I think that Florida State's pretty human along the offensive line. I think they got great personnel and skill. Uh, and I, I think that they have a very good defense. But I think their offensive line is very human. I don't love that scenario in the playoff when you're playing against some of those teams, knowing just how much they can wreck you when you don't have a crazy mobile quarterback when your offensive line's a little bit of a liability. So I actually kind of went and used the resume as the tiebreaker there. I'm thinking both teams are pretty capable. But when you look at what Washington's accomplished, man, they got a win against Oregon, a win against Oregon State. They have three wins that are currently ranked against teams that are like in the top 17, depending on where Arizona falls. I don't know where Arizona's going to fall, but they're probably going to be around 16 or 17, one would guess. So you got three wins against teams that are currently ranked in the top 17, whereas Florida State, they got the win against LSU, but that's by far the best win on their resume at the moment as the rest of the ACC has kind of fallen off. So I went to the resume there as kind of the tiebreaker and felt like Washington deserves some love for the gauntlet they've had to run the last few weeks. And, Greg, I'm glad you feel that way. We had an opportunity for College Game to go out and watch that Oregon versus Washington football game. And I would say for a football team in Washington that's a pass-first offensively type unit, to play in the type of weather that they had, they've had to play in the last few weeks as well and still have been able to get it done, the defense is making plays when they need to make plays, I think they have to be rewarded for being undefeated and also, like you just mentioned, the ranked teams that they've beaten. Now, I I would say this, coming up this weekend, we have the game, right? Michigan versus Ohio State. Is this a week that not having hardball on the sidelines is going to catch up to Michigan? Man, it feels like it, doesn't it? Mm, I mean, because if you look at both these teams, I mean, I I don't know about it. Look, you know, Harry, I I mean, you know, your head coach in there, it's like, all right, what changes for me? Like, all right, the guy that's calling me up before we take the field, the guy that's calling me up at halftime, and the guy that's calling me up after the game, that's about the only times I've talked to my coach. If all things goes right, by the way, uh, that's the only time I wanted to talk to my coach. But it's before the game, halftime, and then after the game. Because if I'm getting an earful in the quarters, I don't want any part of that. So I know this. As as it relates to Harbaugh, though, there's been a significant drop-off with how his quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, has played when he hasn't been out there. Now, last week he threw one interception, but it could have been three. He threw three earlier in the year against Bowling Green, both of which when Harbaugh wasn't out there. And his yardage totals when Harbaugh's out there are like 220, 230 in that vicinity. Two, like two and a quarter, two and a third, 230, somewhere right around there. I don't know it off the top of my head. But when Harbaugh's not there, it drops well under 200. So he's just a better player when Harbaugh's there. I don't know if it's a sounding board or they just – he uses Harbaugh as kind of a, a launch point and – kind of picking his brain with what he sees. And I think the, the play calling has been a little conservative when Harbaugh hasn't been there as far as throwing the football. So 
Uh, I do think that it's, it's an issue, especially knowing both defenses are great against the run, really good against the run. And it might come down to the quarterback that plays the best that ultimately wins the game. Great stuff by Greg McElroy, ESPN college football analyst on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. If I use the question, who has the edge heading into this game between Michigan and Ohio State, what is your answer? Uh, it's Michigan. They, uh, they have the edge. Uh, I think Ohio State's offensive line is a liability, um, hmm. especially at right tackle in particular. Uh, Evan Fryer has kind of struggled this year. And I look at the guys that Washington, excuse me, that Michigan kind of rolls off the defensive lineman. They roll seven, eight, nine deep, and those guys are relentless, man. I mean, really, really relentless. So I think Michigan's offensive line, while it didn't play great the last couple of weeks, they've been okay, not great. I think that group is far more capable of handling the defensive line of Ohio State than Ohio State's offensive line is handling the defensive line of Michigan. So. Uh, I think this game traditionally is going to be one in the trenches, and I get the sense that Michigan does have an advantage there. I think the quarterback, I would also give Michigan an advantage too. We just talked about McCarthy. While he has struggled when Harbaugh hasn't been on the sideline, he's still one of the more efficient quarterbacks in the country. Now, if you look at Kyle McCord, he's been fine, but oftentimes in the get-out-of-jail-free situations, like, hey, where's Marvin Harrison? Let me find him. And then in a rare instance, where's Egbuka? I'll find him. But I trust J.J. McCarthy having played in games like this in the past to make the play necessary to ultimately win the game. So I think Michigan has the edge, um, and it's at home, too. So that makes life a little bit better. And I believe all time when Michigan and Ohio State are in the top five and they're facing off against each other, the Buckeyes are just 1-3-1 and one in Ann Arbor. So that's also another factor that historically would work against the Buckeyes. Now, Greg, nothing excites me more than when I'm sitting on my couch on a Saturday uh-huh. and you're calling a game, and it just happens to be a game that my Louisville Cardinals oh, are playing. Boy, here we go. Man, can you t- tell me about the job, man, Jeff Brom and the Louisville Cardinals have done oh, this year, boy. Greg? Talk to me, baby. Talk to me. <laughs> well, I, first of all, uh, I love that Louisville is sneaking its way onto one of the outstanding national, television, uh, national radio shows here in our country because Louisville's getting no love, Harry. You got to carry the flag, bro. Like I've been sitting here banging the drum since Notre Dame. Like this team is for real, dude. Like they're good on defense. They got good weapons at wide receiver. Even though Thrash has been a little banged up, he's still a dude. Jamar Jordan, their running back, has been banged up, but Isaac Garendo stepped up. Man, that mm. team to score thirty-eight points last week against Miami. Yeah. Miami has had some issues on offense, turning the ball over, but they're stout on defense, man. They're really stout. On defense, I thought Jeff Brom had a great plan. So that was a big win last week. Everyone looks at Miami and they're like, "Well, they're six and five, dude. They're a lot closer to like eight and two, eight and three than they are to five and six or somewhere below five hundred. So uh, that was a really good win on the road, and and that is not a that is not a place that that has been real kind to Louisville over the years. They're oh six and one heading into games at Miami in their history. So. That was a big win for them, and I think they're in a good position to take care of business this week. I think they're much better than Kentucky, uh, and that'll obviously set up a great game in the ACC championship game against Florida State. Speaking of championship weekend, play along me for a while here, Greg. If your Alabama Crimson Tide runs the table, they win the rest of the regular season against Auburn, they win the SEC championship game against Georgia, what's the likelihood that the SEC could have two teams again in the college football playoff? Well, I'm going to tell you something that's just really, really terrible. Uh, if you're looking at it through the eyes of an SEC fan, I think the likelihood of them getting two left out is higher than them getting two in. And I still think even if the 
situation presents itself the way you just described it, Freddie, I, I look at it and I think Bama's going to have a hard time jumping Texas. No matter what the circumstances are, no matter the eye test, no matter how well Bama's played down the stretch, how much better they've gotten since they've been off the bye week there at the end of October, they've been a totally different team offensively. But if you put them ahead of Texas, you are basically telling the college football world and people that consume the sport that the regular season doesn't matter. And that's a real dangerous, dangerous precedent to set. And it's a slippery slope if you start going down that rabbit hole because Texas, the team that they might be measured against, they beat Alabama head-to-head. And I know it was week two. I know it was a long time ago. And teams definitely should be considered with how they're playing at the end of the season. I know that that's a factor. But if you tell me that a 10-point loss at home to the team that you're being measured against doesn't matter, that, that's a bad, bad situation for college football. So I think Bama's best path in would be for Louisville to upset Florida State, to beat Georgia, and then to have Texas lose one of the next two games, either against Texas Tech or whoever it is they play against in a Big 12 title game. He's always fantastic. That's why he's an FOS friend of the show. He is Greg McElroy, ESPN College Football Analyst. Also a great follow on Twitter at Greg McElroy. Gracious with his time on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Greg, have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy the weekend and take care and be well, my man. I appreciate you guys, man. Talk soon. Yeah, Grace, I, I love what he said real quick, Harry, that, hey, it's more likely two could be out than in, and you got to bring all that press in by saying, hey, you can't reward Alabama because they're playing so great lately at the expense of a Texas team that beat them in Alabama in September this season. Well, that's because if you're the committee, you don't want to set a bad precedence, right? You talk about a team at Texas that went on the road and beat Alabama convincingly. So if you reward a team, if, they're, if they both win their conferences, right. if you reward Alabama with that spot over at Texas, that's a, that's – that's not logical in my opinion because yeah. Texas was able to go on the road and get that victory head to head, and they value head to head. Yeah, I, I know they move the goalposts when they want to, but that would be a very dangerous way of moving that goalpost, especially yep. with that name and that coach when it comes to Alabama and Nick Saban. This doesn't sound good for fans of Jets quarterback Zach Wilson getting another chance. I will address that in the off season. You know, I'm, you never know what might happen over the next course of the course of the next six games or eight, seven, whatever we have left. Find out who said that next on Freddie and Harry, and this is ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. On SiriusXM Channel 80, I always tell you a smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. We're brought to you by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. If you are a Zach Wilson fan, the soon-to-be ex-Jets quarterback after the season is over, if you are a Zach Wilson apologist, this does not sound good about him getting another chance in the Jets, courtesy of what his coach Robert Sala said yesterday on the Michael K Show on ESPN New York 98.7 FM. I will address that in the offseason. You know, I'm, you never know what might happen over the next course of the course of the next six games or eight, seven, whatever we have left. That doesn't sound good at all, Harry. Not at all. <laughs> that does no. not sound good. Not and trying to trample on a man's grave, but... Mm, mm, no, mm. We know Tim Boyle is going to be the starter this Friday uh, versus the Miami Dolphins. And when you look at this Jets football team, they're trying to find any spark that they can from an offensive standpoint. Zach sure. Wilson hasn't been able to do that. Now, it's not just Zach. Of course, it's the offensive line and the seven different combinations is that the starting guys that they've had this season. Guys dropping footballs. Um, across the board, not taking care of the football, Zach holding the football entirely too long when he's in the pocket. But you got to try to figure out if you can find a spark some kind of way if right. you're head coach Robert Sala. So he's decided that he's going to go with uh, Tim Boyle, and hopefully he can figure something out and provide a spark for this team because 
when that defense isn't getting turnovers or te- creating takeaways and, you know, scoring from a defensive standpoint, this football team is really compromised right. because of the lack of, uh, thereof from an offensive standpoint. It's amazing how that Jets situation unraveled four plays into the season when you know who got injured against the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football. Speaking of that guy, Aaron Rodgers, even though he's injured, he's still having press conferences. Why? Because he's Aaron Rodgers and you're not. He feels some kind of way, some kind of guilty way, why it has not worked out and will not work out for a guy that he was mentoring in Zach Wilson. This was obviously not the way any of us thought this was going to go down. It was going to be me and my show and and Zach getting to learn and watch it firsthand and not have the pressure to get, go out there and play. And so obviously, you know, this is uh, disappointing. I, I have some, you know, personal guilt around the whole thing. I mean, I'm pissed that I wasn't able to play and frustrated that, you know, if I was out there and I feel like I'd be playing well, there would be obviously different narratives around our team. And Zach would, again, have the opportunity to learn and grow and see what it looks like uh, without the pressure on and, and being able to, to sit in those meetings and, and go through the season and just kind of watch me in my process. Correction, that was on the Pat McAfee show yesterday when it comes to Aaron Rodgers and no matter what you think about Aaron Rodgers, good, bad, fair, unfair, fine, no problem. He does feel that kind of way, that I had a chance to really help somebody that I believe could definitely take that and be a better quarterback going forward. It was more of a hope and a wish, in my opinion, when it came to Zach Wilson. If you ask Aaron Rodgers as a football, football dude, what do you think of Zach Wilson? He said he's got a lot to work on. But he didn't want anybody to continue to just jump down that young man's throat. And I'll raise my hand. Lord knows I've done it because he's proven to me that he can't play. I never wished any ill will for him. I'm a Jets fan. Of course I want Zach Wilson to work. But the Jets did not do him any favors. Long before, long before Aaron Rodgers got there, Harry, by overdrafting this young man at the second pick of the draft and telling everybody this is going to be the quarterback we need to get out of the abyss that's been this organization in New York. Yeah, I also didn't think they did um, Zach Wilson that is any favors by not having the contingency plan if Aaron Rodgers were to get hurt, right? I think they tried to figure things out on the fly after it actually happened. And I think they should have been, you know, ahead of the curve in those regards because you always got to anticipate, even though you don't want certain things to happen, Mm -hmm. what if they do happen? And you got to have those plans in place. Hey, if Aaron Rodgers goes down, like what is our, our game plan now with Zach Wilson at the quarterback position. And I don't think the Jets were ready for that situation. It took them a while to try to figure things out uh, on actually, you know, how to game plan around Zach as the quarterback. So I thought the the, the Jets in that organization did a bad job in, in those regards and Nathaniel Hackett as the offensive coordinator mm-hmm. because they had to figure things out on the fly versus being proactive um, and, and, and having those things in place before an injury actually even occurred to Aaron Rodgers. It's funny you mention that. He's Harry Douglas, Freddie Coleman together, and Freddie Harry and ESPN Radio, it was as if the Jets were hoping that Aaron Rodgers was going to be the elixir to Zach Wilson and his problems. Man, we're going to bring this guy in. He likes Zach Wilson. Man, Zach can see what he does. That's a very dangerous game to play. Not so much putting that on Aaron Rodgers, but that you're expecting or you're believing or you're dreaming that Zach Wilson would say, that's how he did it. Now I'm ready to do it. I don't think anybody should have that as your pathway to help out a young quarterback. At a certain point, more than ever before, 
the leash for a young quarterback, if he can play or can't play, gets smaller and smaller each and every year. And more than ever before, teams are not keeping quarterbacks four and five years if they see by year three that that guy has not progressed to the level that you're supposed to want him to progress to be a quality starting quarterback in the NFL. Well, I think the situation is different from like a Jordan Love type, right? Jordan Love was able to sit behind, and then he's had only this season – uh, the body of work. Right. Zach Wilson has had <laughs> three years, mm-hmm. year one, year two, and now this year to show that he can play and he hasn't been able to show it. At least Jordan Love had the same offense to learn from like Aaron Rodgers did. No. Zach Wilson had to learn an entirely different offense. It didn't take, it didn't land, and now he's going to land himself out of New York when this season is over. What could be the landing spot for certain teams if an Achilles heel does not show up to keep them out of the Super Bowl? That's next on Freddie and Harry. Thanks for listening to the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to Freddie and Harry live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app, the Freddie and Harry podcast.